Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Before we go any further, let me explain something to you. I was a son of a nightclub owner. Stay standing on your feet. Grab your Bibles. Come on, grab your Bible. Stand to your feet. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of John. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Play me a little something. Now listen, I was the son of a nightclub owner. And, and, and we used to always get big bands that came in, played for us. I've met George Strait. I have met Doug Stone, Steve Warner. I have met uh, Spanish groups. I've met the Cumbia Kings, La Mafia. I've met them all. And every single time I see people come into that dance hall, by the hundreds and by the thousands, and I'd see them holler, do a crica. Some of you don't even know what a crica is, do you? It's that. <laughs> and, and, and is that a crica, a crico? Crico. Well, you know, cricket, crico, crico, crica, whatever. I see people go crazy. And I know some of you gone to concerts before and you yelled your head off and you sang that song and you clapped your hands and it was all normal because everybody was doing it. But when's the last time you gave Jesus some praise and clapped your hands to him? And, and they call us crazy. Hold on a second. And they call us crazy because we express ourselves to God? Folks, turn to your neighbor and tell them it's time for you to break out of your religion and get into relationship with him. Well, I feel it in this house. I feel it in my feet. I feel it all over me. God's not dead. He's alive. Oh, my God. Ah, Hurry, we got to move on. Jesus. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. I love him so much. Love him. Love him so much. We're beginning a new series called Stranger Things. A spinoff from the series, but in our own way, we want to address some spiritual issues in the month of October. It's a fact. Most people and during this month, they so, become so inquisitive and they become in trance by the supernatural and by spiritual things so we choose to deal with these issues and we don't try to fight the tide we just we just join in and try to take lead someone said this one time if they kick you out of town get in the front and act like you're leading them all i mean sometimes you have to take lead and redirect everybody so we're going to redirect people and and today we're going to talk about that subject, beginning the series, Stranger Things, talking about the supernatural and the things that we deal with in life. Life is, a, we are dealing with the spiritual world, folks. Uh, you are spirit, soul, and body, and you are a spirit having a human experience. Let me, re- let me say that again. You are a spirit being having a human experience. This human nature of ours is flesh. It's temporary. But the things that are eternal is who you are. So John said this in verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. 
For many false prophets had gone out into the world, but by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And there's a lot more to that statement than what we're reading here. A lot more. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. And I want you to catch this very closely. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming. Now, this is John writing to the church way before your great, 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 great grandmother was even born. This is the spirit of Antichrist. Anything that denounces Jesus, doesn't confess Jesus, which you have heard was coming. And now, someone, everybody say now. Now it's in the world already. So for some of you that are looking for the Antichrist, I hate to tell you, he's been in the world for a long, long time. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Antichrist referring to the anointing. Anything that is against the spirit and the anointing of God. That's another Bible study, but you need to do the study. Little children, because he's speaking to them as sons and daughters of the gospel. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's good news. That's good news. Stranger things. It's not a strange thing. Some of you are probably first-time guests. Um, welcome. Surprise. Surprise. But I promise you, if you'll let yourself go and just embrace it, you'll feel something in this atmosphere that'll change your life. You'll grow and you'll understand some things clearer as time goes on, but it's not strange. Paul even said, and the writers begin to explain in certain places in the scripture, thinking not strange concerning the trials that come against you. There are some strange things that happen in this world and things that occur, but the one sure thing we've got in steadfast experience is that Jesus is alive, he loves us, and he is with us, and he will never leave or forsake us. Today we're going to be talking about the subtitle for today's message is Discerning Spirits. You have to know what's God and what's not God. Will you lift up your hands one more time and ask the Lord to bless this message? Can you do that? Pray for me that God will give me a heart just to hear what he says and that you would receive every word that's intended for you to hear today. Father, we surrender this service. We ask you to bless it. God, touch our, touch our ears to hear and God, touch my lips to deliver. And I pray that you just let me walk in purity and let me have nothing but a single heart to hear your voice and be tender to you, God. This is your church, your service, and we give it to you in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and look at them and tell them, get ready, stranger things are fixing to happen. <laughs> and you can be seated if you've smiled and told somebody that. Let me, let me simplify this message from the offset and very beginning by simply telling you, uh, don't complicate God. God is love. Don't complicate God. I run into so many people so many times who come to me and tell me, how do you know God's voice or how do you experience God? And, and I don't understand this about God. And they're looking for signs and confirmation when the truth is, is that God is love. 
And love expresses itself in so many different ways. Love has a unique way of, of embracing us, protecting us, talking to us, and simply acknowledging that he is there for us. I love to see sometimes when people come to covenant, I love to watch them feel the presence of God. I love it when they're focused on one thing, and that's Jesus. And most of the time when people are just focused on Jesus, they can experience something, and that you can see God touch them. And one of the major expressions that we see many times is tears coming down from people's faces. We see tears, and we see people fighting back tears. Then we see people kind of get recluse at times because they feel something but don't want to express it because they were taught in church that you're not supposed to respond in church and you're supposed to be there like this. I mean, I don't know about the cross legs and all the bow-legged stuff, but, you know. I was raised in a denominal church where my daddy, I remember my dad, when he, my dad passed away, but I remember going to church when we were little and he had this big old gold ring on his finger and when we laughed or we cut up or we, well, you know, not misbehaving, but kind of got loud and in that church, he would lean over and he would take that little ring and just go pop around the top of our head. <laughs> we pay attention. And so most of us were taught to not express ourselves in an environment. But I have to tell you that we believe in decency and in order, and I believe all things are done in a proper manner, but there is a time where you have to feel the liberty to express yourself and experience God. The love of God. The warmth of his presence. The kind of experience that you feel the God of glory and the peace of God take your burdens away. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Have you ever experienced that? You come into church heavy, but... Listen, if you're coming to church heavy and you leave heavy, you probably need to find another church. <laughs> or you better get focused in church. Because anytime you come to those church doors, you ought to leave lighter and better and stronger than when you first, than, than how you came in. Because it's really a matter of you get out what you put in. You're going to get out what you put in. And so whenever you create the atmosphere of worship, and you begin to lift your hands. I love it when people raise their hands and they begin to express themselves or sing and they get focused. Because then they begin to generate something in the supernatural. And that's when you feel somebody responding and feeling something. They have the strength and the grace. We call it the grace of God. When the grace of God begins to move. And what's happening is God is delivering and giving experiences. Everyone has their own experience. How many of you have experienced God. Raise your hand. So, so you can identify. You can relate to me. We can relate to each other. The truth is, we're not all here because we read the book and it intrigued our intellect only. We are here because this book became flesh and dwelt among us. We're here because we read the Bible, we felt, followed through with it, and we felt something. We're here because we are attracted to the experience. We are attracted to the experience. So the bottom line is, is, that, is that God is love and every person that you run into and every individual or any circumstance, whatever it may be, has an expression of what they have 
allow themselves to be influenced by. I don't want us to focus today more on trying to discern spirits. This is not a lesson on the discerning of spirits, the gifts of the spirit. That's another completely different lesson. But more than anything, I think the church needs to learn how to discern God. Understand what God feels like. Judge a place or a person or a thing by feeling the peace of God. I'm not more concerned about learning what kind of a spirit a person has. I am not a devil chaser or a demon chaser. I think that's strange. But I am a God chaser. I love to pursue after him. So do you. That's why you're at church. You didn't come here to fight devils. You, how many of you woke up this morning and go, I'm going to go to covenant this morning we're gonna fight some devils today mm. come on i mean come on what kind of listen you came here to, with open arms you came here with an attitude to receive most people get strange out there because all they ever do is fight and battle and war and talk about demons around the corner and you know and and they try to discern everything and call things out. Listen, Jesus was never a demon chaser, but demons came and chased him. So don't worry. You'll find demons. They'll find you. <laughs> uh, you get closer to God. They'll start messing with you. Don't worry about going and trying to find them. And you don't have to know exactly what it is at certain times because God knows what it is. Or, and God knows what you face in life. And so what I'm trying to tell you is, is that it's more important to discern the presence of God. Know God. You can avoid so many things in your life when it comes to relationships with people by knowing if God is in it. I can't tell you how valuable the peace of God is. I can't tell you how, how comforting it is to know that God gives you peace. And, and when you have that peace and you walk in that peace, when you face uh, a circumstance or a problem or a person, let's say you're going into work Monday morning, and let's say that it's an atmosphere that really isn't conducive to Christianity. You know, let's just say there's that one person that's always in a bad mood. Let's say <laughs> there's that one person who comes up to you and is fixing to tell you all about what happened on their weekend and all the partying and all the, and did you hear about this? And did you hear about that person? Do you know what they did? And you just came out of church, and you're determined to just walk with him on Monday. Then you come up and walk into that. You walk into somebody who just has a sour attitude, and you say to yourself, how can they live that way? I mean, and then you got to recognize that that used to be us too. Until God gave us an experience that opened our eyes. And we're no better than they are. We're just experiencing something different. Experience separates us from every other religion, every other theology, theory, science. Science comes close to unveiling what God has created, but it's God is a spirit. And some things can't be understood except you experience him. Unless you experience him. Uh, secondly, let me tell you, outside of him being simple and understanding that it's more important to 
understand the love of God than it is to understand every spirit in the world. Secondly, you have to understand that God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. If you are in a circle, if you are in a, facing a problem, or you're in a circumstance that's confusing to you and you can't put your finger on it, it's not God. And if you're going to continually dive into it, give your mind to it, you're wasting your time. It's like a dog chasing their tail. It's, it's like just going in circles. It's like, you know, being in a rocking chair. You can move all day long, but you're not going to get any place. And what, what, what hell in the world likes to do with the church is confuse us, cause us to stay there and, and work on your problem like a Rubik's Cube. Any 80s, are there any 80s people in this building? I know they still sell them because we bought one on vacation a while back. I thought those things would be easier to put together and fix up. I don't even know how to put one together. I know there's some of you probably can put them up together. Put them to, can you do it under a minute? Anybody? Raise your hand. Nobody? I bought one, and my son bought one. And we thought, man, this is, okay, this is going to be cool. I can do this. Got one side, got another side. Couldn't do that side because they go to the other side. And I thought, you know what? This is rigged. They did this thing just to frustrate people. So I handed it back to my other son. He said, I can do it. I can do it. So I gave it to my older son. He took it, and then he got frustrated. Then we started going to YouTube to find out how they do it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. We're, you know, YouTube is, <laughs> I'm going to start calling YouTube YouTube University. I mean, a lot of people get educated from those videos. But, but you know, I was going to say something. Anyways. So we're frustrated, right? This little cube has got us all messed up. Made us feel dumb, incapable. Thought my IQ was higher than that. So we walked in. So I said, you know, let's go into get burger. Let's go sit in this restaurant. We're in Austin, Texas. And so we're sitting there, and, and this Rubik's Cube is right there unfinished. And this guy walks up. This guy walks up and says, hey, do you know how to, put, you know how to solve that Rubik's Cube? I said, I said, no. He said, I'll, I'll do it for $2. I looked at my son, and Josh, was, my youngest son, was like, dude, Dad. I said, I got to see that. I said, go for it. Hold on. I want to film you. I want to video you. I want to put you on camera. And that dude sat down, and he just started. And I'm looking at Josh, and he's looking at me. I'm going, this, dude, this makes me so upset. <laughs> Doing this, that, 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 and he puts it down. Done. I'm like, come on. I put it on YouTube. So how many of you saw that video of me posting that thing? Facebook, sorry. Facebook. Um, and I thought, man. And I asked him, I said, how did you do that? He said, man, it's, uh, it's really a, it's al it, it just, he starts talking about algorithms and math, and, you know, there's just a sequence of this thing. It's made to, he started telling me about the patterns. He said, I learned it years ago, and there's nothing to it. If you learn how, the steps and how to do it, anybody can do it. There's a pattern to that thing. There's a system, and you have to learn how it works. 
But once you learn how it works, then it's easy to do it. Anybody can do it. So I've actually seen people do it blindfolded. They've memorized the system. They don't even look at the colors. See, the colors are confusing. Why am I talking about this? Because God's wisdom does the same exact thing for us in the spirit. We go by what we see. And in the spirit, God enables us to have a wisdom and an understanding, but he wants us to keep it simple. And while we are there being frustrated and confused because of our problem, trying to fix it, trying to get the colors right, trying to organize everything, God is simply asking us to step back, let him do it himself. God can do in one minute or two minutes what takes you a lifetime to do. And that's the secret. I'm, I'm really, honestly, I'll just be quite honest with you. I don't care about learning how to do a Rubik's Cube. It's not my goal in life. I would rather know somebody that knows how to do it. If I really want it done, I'll have him do it for me. Listen, I don't have to know about every single devil, every single problem. I like to learn. I like to learn from my mistakes. I understand that. I know you got to know your enemy as well. But I'm not more concerned about that more than I am about understanding God more. Because God knows how to do all things. God has a wisdom way beyond my years. He has a, a way of talking to me and telling me things that I don't understand. He bypasses this part where it causes me to have more confusion than any devil could try to do. We confuse ourselves sometimes by overthinking it. We call it paralysis by analysis, right? We overthink a situation. We complicate it so much, and then we blame it on the devil. Come on, guys. You are giving the devil way too much credit for your problems that you created just by overthinking it. When God simply wants us to let him take care of it and work things out. Uh, number one, let me repeat this and say this to you. Point number one, get an experience with God. Get an experience. Push for more. And I know all of you have an experience with God. That's why you're here. Or, you know, you wouldn't even be here if somebody didn't invite you or you didn't feel compelled to come. I believe that the Spirit of God draws all people. But you should never get comfortable with the experience you have right now alone. You know why? Because you're limiting God. God is much bigger than the experience you have right now. I don't care if you've been living for God for 20 years. You know how big God is? Have you ever thought about equating the heart of God to the presence of God? He is omnipresent everywhere. He is omnipotent with all power. He is omniscient, knows all things. God is equal in all areas, so he has got so much. Right when you feel like you've arrived, in your mind and your body, God just got up again and went further. Because Christianity is a lifestyle and it is an education. It's a discipleship program. It is a continual learning process. If you feel like you've arrived and you allow that to slip into your mind, you are hurting yourself. But you have to say to yourself, Lord, this is the hard thing. And you're going to have to, you got to remember, if you've ever prayed this prayer, God, I want more of you. How many of you have ever prayed that prayer? God, I want more of you. 
How many of you have had a problem come in right into your life right after you prayed that prayer? See, sometimes we can't get more unless we go through more things. It's hard to get disciplined and get to another place without problems. I thank God for every problem. Sometimes I don't ask God to remove the mountain. Sometimes I ask him to help me climb it. Because if that mountain doesn't move, after I've said and I believed it in my mind, God said, be thou removed. If it doesn't remove itself, I say, all right, Lord, it's not going to move. You give me the grace to walk over that thing. One way or another, that mountain's going to be in my rearview mirror. One way or another. So I asked for an experience that would take me beyond my problem. I asked God for a new experience to open my mind and open my heart. And I'm not afraid to somebody to give me a false doctrine. If it's in this Bible, I believe it. If it's in this Bible, I believe it. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here little, there little. The scripture says it emphatically that this word is comprised together to give one message that God loves me and he gave his life for me. And that he wants me to inherit the kingdom. And God wants more for me. God wants more of an experience. God wants me to ask him. I believe he wants me to ask him. I do. Everyone that came to Jesus that said something like, like Nicodemus said. When Nicodemus said, Lord, we know that thou art a teacher in John chapter 3. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. No man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He was literally asking him, how do you do all that cool stuff, Lord? <laughs> Open up blind eyes. See, walking on water. Hello, baby. I mean, come on, that's awesome stuff, right? Calling Lazarus back from the dead. Just landed on the seashore of the Gadarenes, and he just standing there, and legions of devils come up to him, bow right in front of him, and say, what do we have to do with you? Don't cast us out before our time. Jesus was the man. That's all I got to say. The son of man. Jesus was awesome, man. More than awesome. But he had an experience with the Father. And through that one experience, everywhere as he went, he was able to deal with every problem. And he came out on top. He came out on top. There wasn't one devil that could stop him from going to where he needed to go. There wasn't one. And there wasn't even one devil that, can even, that could have stopped him from going to the cross. That was his destination. But do you remember when Jesus took uh, Peter, James, and John up to the mount of, called Mount Transfiguration? Do you all remember that? And when they went up there and they saw Jesus transformed, they saw Jesus transform and transfigure his body became glistening white, pure as white, white snow. And then Moses and Elijah showed up. So, so, so the, the disciples are there on the mountaintop, on the, on the, and they're there, and they're watching. I don't know how far Jesus was, but right in front of them, and then there was a voice that came down from heaven and said, this is my son 
They got scared. They didn't know what to do. But watch this. Read the rest of the Bible. He tells the disciples, don't tell anybody what you just saw. Keep it in your heart. Jesus was telling them, in other words, I have these experiences all the time. When I go away to be with the Father, he empowers me and encourages me and strengthens me. But I'm going to show you when I'm gone and you receive the same power, I'm going to give you similar experiences. And I'm gonna, but I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to be strengthening you. But the cool thing was, while that was going on simultaneously, on the bottom of that mountain, the other disciples that were left behind were trying to cast a demon out of a little boy who kept throwing himself into the fire. He was possessed of a demon. The disciples down there could not do anything about it. They tried to do it. They tried to do it, but they could not do it. So, when Jesus shows up, relatives come to the Lord and said, why couldn't your disciples cast the demon out of my son? And he looks at them and says, oh, ye of little faith, how long will I be with you? And spoke to that thing, and it was gone. And they all came up to him and they said this, Lord, why couldn't we cast out the demon? And the Lord said to them, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. What he was telling them was, if you want more of me to deal with your problems, you're going to have to have less of you. If you really are hungry for more of God, then you have to starve yourself out sometimes to get more of him. But ultimately, we all need to get our own experience. You cannot live on the shirt tails of your grandparents your entire life or mama's life. Listen, mama may have had a great prayer life, but that was her prayer life. Now it's time for us to get our own. Am I, is that too hard? It's time for us to have, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm happy for you. You saw an angel, great for you. God healed you, that's wonderful. You saw God straighten out someone's leg. I've seen it happen before too. It's awesome. But those are everyone else's experience. Lord, I mean, it ought to provoke us to jealousy in a, in, a, in a sense of a godly jealousy where we say to ourselves, you know what, God, I'm watching and hearing all these things happen. I want my own experience, God. I don't, I mean, I'm not in it for miracles, Lord. I'm not, I'm really not in it for miracles. And I don't, I don't have to see an angel if I don't want, I mean, that's not about that, God. I just want to know you more. I want more of your love. I want more of your presence in my life. I want to hear your voice. I hear about everybody hearing from God. I want to hear from you, too. I know I can read your book, and I know I can have the Word speak to me, but God, I want to have that genuine experience where it stops me in my tracks. And you look around and tell everybody, did you hear that? Or did you feel that? Or do you feel that? Have you been walking sometimes in your life, and you just feel like the presence of God come on you? In the weirdest places, like in the grocery store? At work, 
and out of nowhere, you just begin to worship and thinking about God. You know what that is? Somebody's praying for you. Somebody's praying for you. You got to believe this stuff, guys. I'm telling you. Listen, I don't care what anybody tells you. This Bible says that God can still heal. God can still perform miracles. God can still do things for us. If he did it for them, he can do it for us. Why would I want to limit myself and say to myself, oh, that's okay, God, I believe it. I'll just watch and enjoy them. Peter, James, and John wanted to do something about what they saw, and they didn't know what to do except build three tabernacles, and they said, it's a good thing we were here, Peter, you know, poor Peter. It's a good thing we were here, Lord. Now we can build three churches for you right here. Let's build a church on this one experience. That's the problem most denominations have. They get one experience and build a doctrine on it and never move on. That's why we're not denominational. We are non-denominational because we believe that God has more experiences for us as we grow. We believe it all. We believe it all, but we believe God has more because it is, he's a big God. He wants to transform us. He wants to build us. He wants us to stay on him with his, let me just move on. Are you ready? I have to move on. I have to move on. Are you ready? There's only one sure way to know the difference between right and wrong is having an experience with God. It's more important to know what God thinks than what everybody else is thinking. Reading about God isn't enough, but experiencing God is going to be the full, full end of what we really want. Experiencing him. The word of God wasn't just meant to be read. It was meant to be lived. It was meant to be lived. Living for God and following this word makes us more sensitive to the spirit of God. And it's not strange. It's not strange. Listen, are you afraid of being called strange? Are you afraid to tell people you came here to church today? You went where? To that church? Ay, Dios mío, mi vida. I'm praying for you. Mira, that's so good. They went to that other church. That's nice. Can I tell you something? They already think you're crazy because you love Jesus. You might as well prove them right. They already think you're crazy because you pray for your food. You might as well prove them right and show them you are crazy. When they feel sick, say, hey, can I pray for you? <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. I believe God can do it. I've had God heal me before. That's why I pray for people. I've seen God heal before. That's why I pray for people. Uh, he's a healer. How many of you believe he's a healer? And I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to have somebody lay hands on you every single time. Honestly, if you believe it, raise your hands and say, God, I believe you're a healer. Come on. By your stripes, I am healed. By your stripes, I am healed. You gave your body for me to be broken so I can be put back together. Just like that, if you believe that, it can happen. It's in the word, but it's the experience. It's your faith. I can read you more. Ephesians 4, 19 and 24. I better give you scripture before you think I'm not in the book. Yeah, I am in the book. I used to be a lot more fervent in the sense of, of preaching trying to be that Pentecostal feel and then God got after me and told me, all you're doing is wasting your breath. Teach him something, son. 
So I slowed down now so you can eat something and it makes sense to you. You ready? They got it on the screen, so I'm going to read it from up there. He's talking to the Ephesian church. You remember the Ephesian church when uh, Paul came to the upper coast of Ephesus? Do you remember when he saw the inscription on the stone that said, to the unknown God? And he said, to this day, this day today, Paul said, I'm going to explain who the unknown God is to you. See, Ephesus was known for its, theolo- for its uh, theories and for its beliefs. And they used to sit around. They were intellectuals. And they used to talk about more uh, about gods and different thoughts of, and frames of, of theories and so forth, whatever. They were, they were very intellectual, but they didn't know who God really was. So it was always in debate. When you look at the region, uh, they didn't know who they worshipped because there were so many gods that they believed in. It was a pagan region. So when Paul comes in, he delivers the truth to them, which is Jesus Christ, because truth is not a word, really, it's a person. So, and when he talks about this and delivers it to them, he, they could get converted. And they change, and they start living for God. But then he goes back, and he tries to tell them, if you read the book of Ephesians in this chapter, he's saying, don't fall back and become, uh, don't go back to the old Gentile ways. Don't live as the Gentiles do. Because now you are spiritual Israel, spiritual Jews. To be Christian means to live like a Jew. Did you know that? Because you worship the only one true God now. And you worship, and you're committed to him. So you are God's people. How many of you believe you're God's people? I mean, you know, you're spiritual Israel. We thank God for Israel, and we thank God for spiritual Israel. So the two have become one. Is that what the Bible says? A brand new man made up of both Jew and Gentile. So you are part of the family. So he's trying to tell the Ephesian church Don't go backwards and start living like a Gentile again. Then he says, for some, for they have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. That's what he's saying to to them. That's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and have been taught him as the truth is in Jesus to put off the old self at which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. The spirit of your mind. Get an experience, in other words, because the spirit of your mind has to be dealt with spiritually, intellectual. Change comes by intellect, knowledge. But spirit happens by spirit, and only spirit can be experienced. Do you understand that? And so he tells them, be renewed by the spirit of your mind. And put on the new self created after the likeness of God in the righteous, in true righteousness and holiness. What he's saying to them, don't lose your experience. Don't lose your relationship. Don't compromise for anybody else. What you have is special. You are different. You're not the same person that you used to be. Don't let anybody tell you you're the same old person you used to be. You need to stand up for yourself and say to yourself, I have been forgiven. Come on, somebody. I have been forgiven. I have been redeemed. I have been sanctified. I am different. I may look different. I may sound the same. 
I'm, I'm sorry, I may look the same, I may sound the same, but you can't see what God does because God sees the heart. Why are you smiling all the time? Because I'm different. Because I've been forgiven. Yeah. I remember the first time I loved to fight. Did I ever tell, say that to you before? I love fighting. But I, now I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. <laughs> and I love him. But I used to love to fight before God saved me. I used to, it didn't bother, it didn't, I don't care how big you were, how tall you were, who you were. It, it just was fun to me. Then God saved me. And God tenderized my heart. That God made, gave me some wisdom. Now I'm in love with him. Now I can cry at the drop of a hat. But I still love fighting the devil. But, but I'm, I'm more than that. I've become more of a lover of Jesus. So I don't try to pick fights with the devil. But when he does pick one with me, let's get it on. Let's do it. But I don't rest in my confidence. I rest in him. See, the one thing I've learned years ago was is that the battle doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. So I don't lift my hands to try to put it towards a situation or a circumstance. I always say to myself, God's going to fight my battles. He can take care of it more than better than I can. My responsibility is just to love on him. My job is to love him. My job is to love him to worship him and keep my sick. You know why God said pray for your enemies? You want to know why God says pray? That doesn't make any sense, does it? You know, you know why God said if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn and give them the other cheek? You know, the, he, didn't say what, he, he didn't say what to do after that second hit of the cheek, but that happens and it's on. But anyhow, <laughs> I'm messing with you. The... the you know why God said pray for your enemies? Because he is more concerned about the condition of your heart and you becoming bitter. He wants you to become better and let him deal with everything else. That's the way it is. Is your boss giving you a hard time? People are persecuting you? Or if you don't have favor or they're just after you, you feel like you're an oddball? Hey, it's all right. If you have favor with God, he'll give you favor with the right person. Favor with God. I'm telling you, we'll get you ahead. i got to give you one more, and we're done. Come on, Matthew. Number two, I want you to remember, ignore your enemy. There is a difference between being aware and then ignoring your enemy. Everyone should always have awareness, but you should never give allowance. That's a good thought right there. Everyone should always be aware, but should never give allowance. Awareness and allowance, there's a big difference. I'm aware of things that go on in my life. I mean, strange things happen whenever hell is on your, on your trail sometimes, right? I mean, have you ever felt like God was just dealing with you and calling you to come closer to him? Then all of a sudden, everything starts breaking around the house. You start having car problems. You start having different people get offended about you. You, did, you didn't even do anything, and people are mad at you. Has that ever happened to you? Raise your hand. If you, 
Has that ever happened to you that you start getting closer to God and you start wanting to experience more of God and you're listening to gospel music all day long, every day? You're reading your Bible the way you need to read your Bible. Then all of a sudden, someone gets mad at you and they're offended at you for something you don't even know what you've done. Remember my uh, little prescription I gave you for, for dealing with drama? How you deal with drama? What you don't feed doesn't grow. But sometimes you just can't give in to all those things. God can do more with your worship than he can do with your whining. God. <laughs> God can turn water to wine, but he wants to turn whining to worship. When you hear hell just giving you feelings. Sometimes it comes in the form of emotion. Sometimes it comes through people. Sometimes it comes through circumstances. The best thing you can do and the best offense you can have is just lift your hands and begin to worship and thank God and begin to recite scripture and say things like this. I know all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. That's when you start to recite the scripture and say, you know what? All things work together for good, right? But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who strengthens me. That's when you start saying, you know what, devil? I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I will come out ahead in my life. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, there it is, the peace of God, that's what you want in your life. When everything else is going haywire and strange things are occurring, don't be anxious, don't have anxiety, in other words. Don't let it get to your heart, but turn to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. You don't even know this, but you've got a personal guard. Think about that. Just because you think upon him, it's powerful just to keep your mind on Jesus and to acknowledge him. Did you know Psalms 91 is based on that principle? Because he has chosen to set his love upon me. Only with his eyes shall he look and behold the, the enemy. A thousand shall follow his tide and ten thousand at his right hand. But it shall not come nigh because not come nigh to him because he chose to put his love on me. I'm telling you, your greatest weapon is love. That's why I'm telling you, it's so more, it's such, it, it's so important to understand the love of God than it is to understand everything around you. If God wants you to learn about it, you'll experience it and you'll understand it. But before you can understand anything else, understand one thing. God loves you. Love him back. God gives us problems and challenges sometimes, allows us to go through them. Sometimes he doesn't give them to them. Sometimes he just allows us to walk through them so we can see another side to him, so we can see him work in it. You know what God could do if he stepped into your circumstance? Do you know what God can do if he stepped into your business and became your CEO? That just came to me. You know what God would do and could do 
for you if you let him step into your heart, because that is where issues of life are at, and tell him, it's all yours, Lord. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for others more than I pray for myself. I'm going to focus on your needs, God. Have you ever thought about that, going to God today? I mean, just going to him any day and saying, hey, Lord, what are your needs? You know, you can, you can find that in here. He said, pray for the lost. He said, pray for the laborers that they would come in for the harvest. He said, pray for Israel. There's so many places in the Bible where God has needs. And I promise you, if you start focusing on his needs, he'll take care of yours. But here's what I want to leave you with. With this one conclusion, this one saying, finding God's peace is the key to finding your success. In the middle of a strange world, strange things happen. I have never in my life seen so many strange things happen in the government than I have this past year. How many of you can agree with that? Strange things. I don't care if you agree with it or not, but my heart was broken when I saw people kneeling down at the Pledge of Allegiance. I, I don't get too much into politics, but I've got to tell you, that just broke my heart. Strange things, strange things happen. Craziness, instability, Hollywood, call them the shots, people believing. This younger generation taking the side of a singer or an entertainer. Can I just say something about that real quick? Can I say something about that? Why would you believe somebody who isn't there for you don't even know you? Because they're famous? Because they look cool? Because they can sing? Why? Why? You know what? Call them next time you're in trouble. Just saying. You can call on Jesus. He'll be there for you, though. That's all I'm saying. You need to, you need to check your sources and check who you're trusting in, who you're believing in, because everybody else is going that direction. You know, the only way you'll get noticed if you go against the tide, and you're never going to get recognized. God, God points people out when they stand for him. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. But here's the point. Ultimately, my goal is to walk in the peace of God. I'm not going to go down that road if I don't feel peace about it. I'm not going to make this decision if I don't feel God's in it. I don't care what I feel. I'm not concerned about feeling spirits and all this other thing. I'm concerned about whether or not God is in it. I feel a peace here in my heart here right now. I feel the peace of God in my life. Will you stand to your feet? We're done. I went longer than I should have. Thank you for enduring us today. But before you walk out, can you do something with us? Will you do something with us? <laughs> Oh, will you lift up your hands and tell them you love them? That's all. <laughs> Falling in love with Jesus. 
our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.